Welcome to the Conspiracy Dad Podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Today, my children decided to make hot cocoa. And my middle son was very adamant that he needed or wanted to use the Conspiracy Dad oh. coffee mug for his hot cocoa. And I said, yes, you may. Sure. Absolutely. Do your kids, I know that your daughter has uh, given us a shout out yeah, once. Yeah, she's but, a contributor, yeah. Uh, do your kids uh, talk about the Conspiracy Dad podcast at all? They, they ask you questions about, um, Dad, well, what do I, you, th I heard at school today this, what do you, what do you think? That, that sort of comes up. I have to remind, like, when Sarah's even more diligent about this than I am, but I have to remind Ben especially, because he's the older one. Like, hey, we don't need to tell everybody that dad doesn't believe in the moon landing. <laughs> that's just that's like an in the house conversation. Um, but Ben actually saw a UFO about a week ago. We were driving to dinner for my wife's birthday, and Ben said he saw a UFO out the car window, like mm -hmm. in the back seat of the car. It's it's dark, but it wasn't late. I mean, it was six, seven o'clock PM. And uh I was totally dismissive, like a dad should be when his son's talking. And he says, uh, yeah, there's, look at that. It's a UFO. And I was like, uh-huh. And Sarah turned around and she goes, no, no, that's just a water tower. So we, I kind of just blew it off. Like there's a water tower, like a couple blocks inside of the neighborhood that we're driving by. And then I heard Sarah, I wasn't looking at her, but I heard a very genuine, what, well, where did it go? And I was like, what? <laughs> and Ben goes, it just flew off. And she's like, no, seriously, where is it? And I was like, he really saw something. That's pretty cool. So I said, okay, after dinner, we'll come back by and see if we can spot this water tower. Like, cause we kept driving, mm -hmm. there's traffic and stuff. And it, there's no water tower in that neighborhood. So. That's interesting you'd say that because I've heard another uh, personal connection with a UFO sighting they thought it was a water tower as well. And it's it's a really cool story because they own, uh, I don't want to say, no one's going to hear. No one cares. <laughs> they own like a sod company. So they have like a lot of land outside yeah. and they were out on the land. Uh -huh. And uh, I've listened to the recording of, of it because they sent it to me, the dad and son that saw it. And they they're near a river and they were saying like, they could see it in the distance, and the dad. I think the dad said something like, "There's no water tower out here." Yeah. And he was like, "What is that?" And they were driving closer, and as they got closer, they're like, "That is not a water ta water tower." And um, I can't remember. I think it went into the river. Oh. It didn't fly up in the air. It went into the river. It disappeared. But it's a. Uh, it was a cool video. I mean, the the interesting thing about the video was, you can see the video working in the cab and there's talking and they're like, That's Oh, and the cool. dad's yeah. like, Hey, get this on the video. And the son is, holds it up. And as soon as he puts the camera up on whatever they were looking at, the screen goes black hmm. and all you can hear is the audio, but you can't see anything. And then they, at some point something happens and they get freaked out and the dad's like, we got to get out of here. And it goes back down and then you can see in the cab again. The video working it, again. Yeah. yeah. It looks like, something blacked out the video yeah. so you couldn't see the ufo and kokomo like when we had him on and since then he talks about the stuff he sees and almost every time aside from i think he sent us one legit video that lasted was you know had yeah, some yeah. duration to it but he's like it's crazy we can be up there on our phones 
no problem for the whole flight. Then we see these lights that we don't know the, what they are, and we go to video them, and all of a sudden, now our phones aren't working. Yeah. You know? And so I think that's really common. I think it's a, yeah, maybe they have some sort, sort of technology, but um, I mean, obviously they have some sort of some sort of technology. <laughs> well, that's fascinating. So Ben saw, Ben is in the club. He saw a UFO, um, not saying it's aliens, just saying he saw something yeah. that didn't seem normal. Yeah. Uh, he's in the club with thousands and thousands <laughs> of other people. He's lucky that. He's lucky my wife saw it, or I would have not even. So you think it. she actually did see it too? Yeah, because and then she was like, "Where did it go?" It, I didn't. When see you it. ask, like, are my kids into the Conspiracy Dad podcast? The answer is yes. If you were to ask if my wife is, like, I mean, she thinks it's fine that I do this, but she's like not one that's seeking out UFO stories or anything yeah. like that. So for her to turn around and go, "What? Well, where did it go?" And I was like, whoa. I had a friend uh, a week ago. Um, I've had many, like several friends do this. I guess if you do a thing like this podcast, you start to turn into the guy yeah. that they text of when course, they see yeah. something weird. And uh, a friend who uh, maybe six, nine months ago, the husband, who's a very serious guy, he's texting me. 10 o'clock at night that he saw a UFO off their back porch. And then the wife, so we talked about it at dinner and the wife's making fun of him. She's, mm -hmm. she's a total like non-believer. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to call her a mouth breather because she's more interesting than that, but mm -hmm. like kind of that, this is ridiculous. Get yeah, out of like here. What we see is exactly and then what she, happens. And then, then at like 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, she's texting me, oh my God, Dante, I just saw a UFO. <laughs> <laughs> and then I call her right away. I said, like, what'd you see? And she saw two uh, bright lights, like following her car in the middle of the day, like really, really bright. And then they just shot away and disappeared really quick. I like. She doesn't know what they were. Stories like that when it's, I mean, like, I thought it was interesting that my son and my wife saw theirs at like a very normal time. Yeah. You know, like there's plenty of traffic out, you know. It's That's been, what this like. She yeah, she she like, was she said she was looking around like, is anybody else seeing what I'm seeing? Mm -hmm. And she didn't think they were like she saw it. Which that's an aspect of the phenomenon too. There's actually cases right. where people, uh, some people see and some people don't see, even mm -hmm. within a family, mm -hmm. like multiple people in a car, and one person is seeing some, the other person's not. Yeah, I don't know what to make of it. Time dilation of some sort. Yeah. I don't know. Just, just saying words I heard in movies. And, uh, I don't know what it the means. The other thing I heard today was a swollen amygdala. Is that what? It was something on a podcast you you sent to me. I was listening to and swollen amygdala. There's a piece of your brain that people that people that have had UFO yeah, sightings. Yeah, yeah. That's, there's a that's, chunk uh, of their Chris brain. Nolan studies that, okay. that. Yeah, and it's like there are people also in their family that have that same feature to their brain where there's a chunk of their brain. That's like a different size. Proportionate. Well, this came out at dinner the other night and I asked them. So the person who saw the UFO, I said, do you know if your parents or grandparents have seen UFOs? Mm -hmm. And they were just totally like, what? And I was like, I said, yeah, like uh, Chris, his research in his research, he's found that there, there might be a genetic component to it and mm -hmm. that people it might have something to do with your brain, your DNA. I don't know. Yeah. But it's very common for like, well, I know in my case, I know, I'm not gonna say who it is, but yeah, like generational people have seen UFOs. I come from a long line of mouth breathers. Yeah. Nobody no ever, UFOs. Nobody. <laughs> I, as a matter of fact, I think I'm going to bring that up 
for Thanksgiving. That's a good topic. Yeah. Everyone else will start talking about like Trump, Biden, <laughs> whatever dumb, and maybe the, yeah. you just start drilling them on. What? How come? How come we haven't seen UFOs? What are we? You know, everyone, all these other people. What's yeah. wrong with us? It's because yeah. we're sitting here talking, arguing about this you negative this? stuff. Yeah. The aliens, they don't have any time for that. Nope. No. No time for that. <laughs> and by the way, why do you keep making broccoli and rice and cheese casserole? Nobody likes it. Nobody's ever liked it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sarah was bagging on my family because we have a few, well, all the menus the same every year, which I don't think that's that different from most families. I think some people call that tradition. Thanks. Thanksgiving food. But I do think it's funny that there are things that I don't think are that popular. And like there are things that I know for a fact that certain family members make better than other family members, but somebody not, feels obligated to make it no matter not the what. The one that gets designated to do it. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. But we obviously switch it up. Uh, not obviously, but obviously. Uh, having a, you know, Asian family, like we'll throw in, like, People kind of expect my wife to make egg rolls. You know, you don't think of that as a Thanksgiving food, but now it is. Like my grandfather, when he was alive, like you just like live for, you know, her egg rolls, yeah. and and it's kind of a big deal to make mm -hmm. them because you got to get all the stuff it's a production, out. Production, yeah. Um, so if you're gonna fry a turkey, might as well throw the egg rolls into. And yeah, have you ever had any turkey frying mishaps like the explosions? You no, I've never fried a turkey actually. I my, usually smoke them. My very smart friend Michael. Very much warns against it. So Did he no, have an explosion? He just thinks it's not a good idea. Yeah. He's not one that likes to like learn from experience, bad idea stuff. He just like... Exploding he, ball of oil sounds bad. Yeah. That's that's kind of where he's at with it. Like, well, Why no, would you could just, just cook it put normal. It in, put it in the oven. <laughs> yeah. Kokomo, I think, is fried a turkey and lived to tell about it. I, he strikes me as the kind of guy who would be really good at frying a turkey. He'd be good at it. And also, like, if you said, well, can't you blow up your house doing that? He would go, well, yeah. Yeah, if you don't know what but you're doing. It, yeah. It's No, but you don't, not very often. A lot of people don't blow up their I house. I think, I could be wrong, but I think it's when you put in a frozen turkey. I think you're right. It's That's, the, yeah. they can become a bomb. Kind of like Breaking Bad where he blows up. I remember up the... in high school, somebody told me, we were at like a bonfire somewhere. Mm -hmm. You remember sandstones? Somebody told me like, if you throw those in a fire and it's hot enough, they'll explode. Is it because there's so much air in there? I don't know. Like, But I did it and I didn't tell anyone and it exploded <laughs> so and every <laughs> everyone freaked out and it kind of might've hurt somebody. Thankfully it didn't, but you take a sandstone, this is a dad hack. If you want to freak out the family on a camp out, you find a good <laughs> sandstone about the size of your fist and you throw it in the middle of those hot coals. You give it a couple of minutes, it'll blow up. It's gotta be like air pockets inside of it expanding and sandstone. Sand is, is, a, is yeah. uh, explosive. Didn't you know that? That's what they I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh. But I but I mean if it's sandstone, that means it's not as densely put together. Maybe so it's gonna bust up quicker, I think. It's a... it, it worked once and people think... people were not happy with me. You you it. said you said ah somebody could have got hurt and I immediately thought, Well, I don't think you're to blame. I think whoever mentioned that in front of a seventeen year old boy is That's to true. Blame. Even if the other person that mentioned it was a seventeen year old boy. The blame is past. Yeah, he's the one that brought it up. He was the instigator. Okay, so I had a real dad hack. Great. Um, that was just improv dad hack. So this dad hack is, we can all agree, and I'm sorry if it hurts feelings, but if you are the parent or the dad that literally every time you get into the car to go somewhere, 
your kids are handed an iPad or a mm. movie is turned on in the backseat, you are not doing humanity any favors. Um, sorry, just saying. Uh, so they watch TV too much. And I'm somebody who I have screens on the back in the back of my SUV. And there are moments where we say, okay, it's we're going to watch a movie. But it's like, you know, a long trip or there's a, it's not every trip is the point. Like, yeah. and so if you're battling that where they've, cause what it happens is they get used to it. They, sure. They're really yeah. good at, um, psychologically manipulating you to just going, just shut up, yeah, you know, just take right. it. And so if you're in that place, what you do is you teach your kids to DJ. And so, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I set up playlists on my phone and, you know, you let, all you have to do is let one do it. And then they fight for it every time they get in the car. Yeah. So every time you get in the car, the dad, can I DJ? Dad, can I DJ? And it's great because they, they feel like they're gaming or watching, like they're interacting with the screen, but they're just listening to music. Mm -hmm. You pick music that you like or that music that, you know, but it's been really, it's probably one of the best things. Like they immediately start to have favorite songs really listen to the songs mm -hmm. when they're on the radio because they feel invested in it. And uh, they're not mindlessly, you know, vegging out to mm -hmm. some sort of stupid entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let your kids DJ. That's what I would say. Dad hack for the day. That's a good use of technology. Like when, when I was growing up, you know, if you rode shotgun in your parents' car, you could control the radio. But who yes. sitting in the back seat? And if you had a van or a station, yeah, 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 yeah. no, not a chance. Right. Um, but here we are. Pass it around. Present day. Now you actually, yeah, anybody in any seat can control the, what's playing. So that's good. Do you have a dad hack for the uh, audience? No, I don't know if this shakes the format up too much, but uh, I, I'm seeking a dad hack. If you've got, if you've got a son that's stubborn as hell, what do you do with that? Um, Headstrong just does not want to listen. Well, here's here's the jujitsu move he's pulling mentally is uh he's refusing to do x y or z hey brush your teeth and go to bed i refuse to do that that's the short version of the conversation and then it's like now i'm going to start doling out consequences well pretty quickly he just goes i'll say okay fine well we'll just do that for two weeks then instead of one and he goes fine do it for three weeks <laughs> I, don't, I mean i'll never have i'll never get to have my tablet back again so why why would i brush my teeth now i'll just never i just won't brush my teeth and i That's won't have pretty, a tablet pretty headstrong yeah and i'm like yeah i'd like to choke the life out of you now but that do you know seem like a very... my my dad hack is revisiting an old dad hack oh okay so if you recall what motivates a nine-year-old boy more than anything in the world is high fructose corn syrup. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like so, the uh, scooter snacks. So you get a slider snack, you get a, snack, a gummy. Yeah. So I, if it was me, I would say, okay, you don't want to brush your teeth. Uh, if you brush your teeth tomorrow, I'll uh, buy you a, a bag of gummy bears. And then they go, hmm. I kind of want those gummy bears. You try okay. that. You see, yeah, you that. see how that, it'd be funny if you'd come back and go, I'll be damned. He didn't even works. argue with me. He just said, okay, gummy bears. Yeah. Deal. All right. I'll try that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I guess that'd be positive reinforcement, but carrot and stick, man. It goes a long way with kids. They're mm -hmm. dumb. <laughs> it's funny. Adults are just as dumb. They're just as dumb. <laughs>
but the carrot and stick is tried and true. Yeah, yeah. In the, it works. In the, in the advertising industry, you just oh, give them a little, yeah. little uh, reward. Mm-hmm. They're they're gonna oh, fall man, in you line. Think about like, yeah, when we talk about like how vapid it can be to walk around a casino. That's, That's a good a, example. Carrot and stick all the way, baby. Like Billions of dollars in carrot and stick. lights and yeah, just ding, ding, ding. You won, you won, you won. That's yeah. funny. All right. Well, I hope that helps. And uh, let's get into it. Today, we are actually talking about, this was a new one for me. A friend of mine, he is a uh, Christian uh, artist from Nashville, PJ. I know he listens sometimes. Oh, so right PJ on. Anderson, PJ. fantastic guy. Oh yeah, that's right. You went out to Nashville and we yeah. did that record together. How how could I forget that? We did a whole record together and <laughs> drove to Nashville. And I'm like just now remembering. Well, yeah, you know PJ, that well, guy we did a record with. But if it makes you feel any better, I couldn't remember how I remembered him. So I mean, I didn't okay. make that same connection. <laughs> that's funny. Well, anyway, he was in town and he listened to the podcast some, and so we were talking about conspiracies, and he brought this one up because. He, he had some uh, session players filling in uh, some different gigs. And he was like, yeah, we're at the hotel one night. And this guitar player who's not Catholic, he was like really kind of carefully approaching me about like, hey, I've, I've heard this, this conspiracy theory about the Catholic Church. He's like, is this true? And he was asking him about what is known as the chronovisor, mm-hmm. which is what we're talking about today, the chronovisor. And... Uh, yeah, my buddy was totally like, I, you know, because he actually, he has a, a side company that he gives tours to Rome. Oh. He's done it for years. So he's a great PJ guy. Does yeah, PJ or... does. So if you want to go to Rome and you want to see like the Vatican and all that, okay. PJ's your guy. Like hit him cool. up. He uh, he leads tour, like a tour guide through yeah. Rome, uh, I think a couple times a year. And so he knows, he knows a lot Catholic. He knows the Vatican very, pretty well. And so the, the, the conspiracy was there's this thing, like what's in the Vatican archives. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't know, the Vatican has kind of like, uh, it's kind of like Indiana Jones, you yeah. know, the member of uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, when they get to the end, it's like miles and miles of warehouses underground. Mm-hmm. I think the Vatican kind of has something like that. Yeah. It's like a lot of archives of everything for thousands, you know, 2000 years. Uh, lots of history, and it's not open to the public. So obviously, it breeds a lot of speculation oh, of course, about yeah. well, what are they? Yeah, what are they hiding down there? Yeah. Um, probably Jesus. I don't. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Uh, I just know the Baptists don't have anything in their basement. So, <laughs> like, well, whose team are you going to be on? At least we got we had you know pretty interesting stuff. basement. Yeah, there's something down there, uh, and so this was. The story that the guitar player was asking PJ. I was just thinking like Baptists, if they're successful Baptists, just have the fact that they are a Baptist church hidden in their basement. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the chronovisor story, let's walk through that. But basically the gist of it is there was a priest who was also a scientist working for the Vatican back, gosh, 50s maybe? 40s, it's, 50s? Yeah, the thing about this story is, uh, the I want to just call out the fact that this story kind of starts in the 50s. Um, and the reason I just think that that's interesting is every time I was listening to things about it today, 
I kept picturing a priest in like the 1800s for some reason, but this is yeah, not, no, 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 it's more, it's more recent. recent. It's not very long. So ago. yeah, it's it's involving a priest named. Uh, let me see if I can pronounce this correctly. It is Pellegrino Ernetti. That's, that's how I would have done it. Good so, job, Ernetti, in the Oki vernacular. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ernetti. You're going to be hearing us calling him Ernetti for the rest Ernetti of the Ernetti was a, a, a priest, a scientist. Uh, he was also an exorcist uh, with the Vatican. Not just any exorcist. It sounded like he was world renowned. Yeah, he's a, he's a big, yeah. he was the guy you called if you know you had ghosts or demons. The Michael showing Jordan up. of exorcists. So he was a Benedictine monk, actually. And uh, he befriended another guy named Brune. Uh, what was his full name? It was. Oh gosh, B R U N E. Are you pulling it up? I can, yeah. Francisco or Francois. I don't know how to say that. F R A N C O I S. That's it. Francis Brune. I don't know. Anyway, they were friends. And in the 60s, I believe they were taking a trip. Uh, maybe like in, in Italy, somewhere in Rome, they were like talking and, uh, Brune was talking about different interpretations of scripture and like, Oh, what that might mean or whatever. And, uh, Ernetti, I guess, came out and said, well, we don't need to leave things up to, to interpretation. We know exactly, we can see exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. And Brune is like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Yeah. And Ernetti begins to tell Brune that actually over the past couple of decades, he has been working with 12, I think, different scientists developing this device that they had developed, they, they had now developed called the chronovisor. And that the chronovisor uh, was developed by uh, Fermi, Enrico Fermi, who was a famous physicist at the time. And, uh, former Nazi, <laughs> our favorite former Nazi yeah. scientist, Werner von Braun. Yeah. Uh, and those are the only two that we know of. And supposedly there were other scientists involved and they developed this device. What this device did was it was like a a way to view history. They called it a time machine, but it wasn't really, you're not t traveling through time. Right. You can tune it to be able to view time, I guess, at any point in the past you can mm -hmm. like a tv screen you can just tune it in and watch what's happening yeah and allegedly that's what ernetti said is that the vatican had developed this they knew about it they used it to view past events and that they had gone back and witnessed the crucifixion of christ and his resurrection and they knew for a fact that it had happened that's the that's that's the gist of the story I there guess. was even yeah there was even an account of there, like, apparently you can find, or at least there's a book published with the picture of the image of the crucifixion. Yeah, and well, and we can we can get into that because the point, I guess, of the podcast would be, it wasn't just some little side story. It, it kind of started to become a big deal, mm -hmm. and a lot of people. There were uh, Italian uh, publications that wrote about it and talked about it, and. Um, yeah, then they then he started to publish what he claimed were images that they had captured from the chronovisor of Jesus and of other other events from history. He didn't just say they went back and saw Jesus. They saw like uh, 
the Roman Empire, Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, they 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 were using it to kind of. I, I don't know if you want to see Sodom. Yeah. <laughs> like, Why that one? Yeah. <laughs> really? Uh, so, uh, but uh, you know, it picked up a lot of steam, and a lot of people were you know questioning: Is this a real thing? And um, eventually, the the funny thing about it is that eventually, the Vatican had to like respond to a lot of the questions about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, they issued an official statement about it in the early eighties. And in that statement, they're saying basically there's no, this doesn't exist, but then they really explicitly go out of the way to say, but if a device did exist that did what you're saying it does, anyone who used it would be immediately excommunicated from the church because of the implications of what it would have on power and politics and world, mm -hmm. you know, everything. It's a little too like, okay, guys. Well, why put that part right. in there if, it, if it's just a silly story of a thing? Yeah, we that, don't need like a yeah. yeah. We don't need like a specific statute of of what the consequences would be if you if you did make such an, a piece of equipment. If yeah, like you said, you could just blow it off. It's sort of like uh, thou doth protest too much. <laughs> no, that's exactly it. Yeah. So, um, excuse me, allergies still. Kind of fighting a. I had COVID like a week and a half ago. Yeah, much better Give now. Me a kiss. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I missed anything in there. I mean, that's that's the the gist of the story, except that then a, I think a lot of the stuff that this Ernetti Ernetti claimed has eh, been disproven or debunked. Part of, I mean, the images at least, like the images, yeah, yeah. people have looked at it and said, "Well, it's actually a picture of the statue of Jesus mm -hmm. and um, several other things he, he, that he that he put forward." I think clearly he didn't; they were just fabricated. It's weird. He was. I mean, I'm pretty intrigued about how highly regarded he was as an exorcist. <laughs> and at some point in the '70s, he was like asked to write some kind of a manual, like. For exorcism, the, yeah, like the Vatican said, you're you're so highly regarded as an exorcist that we want you to write the book on how to do it because he had performed thousands of them, from what I understand, which sounds like a lot. I mean, you have some priest friends that have performed exorcisms. Do you have any idea like the numbers they put up? I have one. Okay. Um, most priests don't do that. A thousand seems like a lot. That's a lot. That's yeah. a lot of exorcisms. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, if you're the if you're the guy, I, mean, I do. I do know that. For like for nine the nine years for the serious exorcist cases, like it doesn't happen very often. There is a very small number of people that actually deal with that. So it would make sense that out of hundreds of millions of people, okay, you're not. You you know the average priest or the average you know bishop, mm -hmm. they're not gonna get involved with something like that. They probably call a guy, and say, "Hey, uh, call yeah, the Vatican." But just the logistics of traveling from one small town to another to deal with the—it's a lot. I bet they just send the the victims to Rome. I'm just thinking about like, well, but I mean, somebody that's possessed. Yeah, they're not gonna they're fly not gonna well. Be very compliant. They're going to say bomb TS, on the airplane. TS, yeah. TSA might have something to say about that. Just thinking about at my work, we have an embroidery machine and there are like, I don't know, 
10 techs in the whole country. So if you have a problem with your machine, you have to call the company and they send a tech. But the wait for that is weeks. Hmm. So, I mean, same thing I would think goes for an exorcism. You don't just like, you know, it's not AAA. You know, a tow truck doesn't come right away. Maybe he was just really good at it. Technically, yeah. I know in every diocese, the bishop of those dioceses is the exorcist for that diocese. Like they, they have the, that's their, they, they have the ability to do that. And they would only, I think, have an, an extra person to do mm -hmm. things if like the bishop didn't have time or whatever might, maybe there's a lot of demons in that diocese, whatever, bring in backup just, help. When you said it's like the, that's the bishop's job. I just was thinking like, well, I've been in workplaces where like, Maybe somebody's pretty good at accounting, so they get put in HR because that happens to share roles with payroll, like it's yeah. a small place. And I'm like, sometimes you're not qualified for all the jobs. Like you're a specialist in one area and then like, oh, yeah, they make me run payroll also. And so like if you're a bishop, maybe you're really good with theology and you remember history <laughs> real well. And they're like, we need you to do the Sorry, man. It that does, lands in your lap. It does. I've thought of that. Like I think that the church that might be – one of the uh, blind spots is like, yeah, this kind of blanket, uh, you know, designation for tasks obviously is not a good long-term strategy. You don't people. That's your problem. You shouldn't have taken well, the job on, of bishop. On the long list of things, I mean, yeah. I think that's one of the things that a lot of pastors in lots of churches deal with is, you know, the kind of person who's drawn to uh, religious work they're not necessarily a CEO. And right. then they're kind yeah. of put into a position where you're supposed to act like a CEO. Sure. And yeah. they're, you know, a lot of guys that they, they don't like confrontation. They're mm -hmm. very, you know, uh, you know, just kind, caring people. And then you think, yeah, you got to go in and you got to fire somebody. It's like, they're not going to fire anybody. <laughs> it's not in their DNA to fire anybody. And that is, yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, tough call. I don't the know. church that I play at on Sunday mornings is full of a lot of great people. I really enjoy playing there. And um, our green room, it is like the office for a lot of the staff. So we sit on a, you know, like couch kind of for the catholics area. listening now this will be like like what like is he talking what? about uh a, a lot of protestant churches <laughs> are modeled like a concert venues and they have green rooms <laughs> that's maybe what you would describe in the catholic world it's like a narthex or like a uh, okay, yeah. place that's not the sanctuary just so you know uh the protestants they'd like to approach it in a very hollywood kind of way so anyway sorry to interrupt you <laughs> The Catholics are still uh, no, literally be like green room. I'm glad like, that you like yeah. Aerosmith green room. Yeah, like yeah, they, kind they of, got yeah. a green room. So our green room is also the staff office, but um, I don't imagine you have this in Catholic churches. I mean, maybe you do, but this is something you would see in like more like uh, contemporary workplaces. That on the each work each staff member's desk has a little like a nameplate, right? I mean, that's common, but under the name on the nameplate is their like personality profile. And where I'm going with this is like, to your point, if you look at all of them, all of the profiles, it's like a four letter code. And so like whatever your strongest, strongest component is, is the first letter. And so like, why, why would you do that though? I think the idea is like in a workplace, if I come up to you and I see that you like are a sensitive, like an emotional person, then I'm going to approach whatever. Wait, 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 wait. We got to backtrack. So it's yeah. their name. 
So it's their name. And then like four adjectives that yeah, describe them. And I forget the mechanism that they use, but this is like a common personality test you take. And so this is common in a lot of churches. No, no, it it's not just churches. This is like common in like a lot of workplaces or at Man, least. Man, I've ran my own company so long. I don't know what corporate America is doing. <laughs> That's very strange. So kind of like uh, like top five personality types. Okay. It's that sort of thing or like Enneagram. It's that sort of thing. This particular one, I don't know the name of, but at the church. So it would come up to you and it would say, Dave, yeah. assertive, kind. Well, mine wouldn't say that. Well, okay. Right. Well, but give yeah, me an example. You've got the right So idea. that I'm walking yeah. up and I'm kind of judging you before I even talk to yeah, you. Yeah. So if I see that, like, yeah, let's say I see on yours assertive and I know that I've got a way that I want to suggest that we, you know, run this operation a little different. I might take a different tact with you than I would the with the guy sitting next to you that's like a big feeler and an empath because i would go to the assertive person i would say hey would you be open to uh do you think that actually works i don't know i think it i feel like if you had a a psychopath working in your company it would just make it really easy for them to navigate and manipulate everybody into like screwing everyone over yeah you know yeah i think you're right so (laughs) You, you don't need, they don't even have to be a psychopath. They just have to be kind of smart, a little bit more of a type A person. Cause you're right in that office, somebody made the joke that like almost nine out of 10 of the people in the office are all like feeler, emotional type people. So like conflict averse that at this church yeah. green room. Yeah. And so, right. If you're a, more of a type A assertive person, you look around, you're like, Oh, I can run this room easy. Look, it's <laughs> on their desk. Yeah. I was listening to a, uh, it was a guy talking about uh, psychopaths. It was that, it was that um, study on Gaslight. Mm-hmm. Did you ever watch that? The no, movie? I got to watching the, uh, the uh, remote viewing thing. But you, so you didn't watch the commentary no. on it? Um, I actually watched it yesterday, two nights ago. And it's really good. Um, but, um, he was talking about the mindset of a psychopath and that like they've done studies and uh, psychopaths would admit like they almost have, like they would say like, I can recognize a damaged person like in, within seconds of just sure. like looking at yeah. them on the street and I can say, that's Golly. a victim. Yeah. And they literally can like go victim to victim and they, mm-hmm. like they almost like a sense, like they can just like smell it on them oh, or yeah. something like this guy's weak. I can totally push him over. I I totally totally believe that I like the analogy I draw a lot of times is uh, drummers. When you hear a drummer hit a snare drum, you you don't have to hear anything else. But when you hear him hit the snare drum, you go, you know what kind good. of drummer or he is, or like, yeah. ooh, it's gonna be a long night. <laughs> and I think it's that way with a lot of pursuits you get into. And if you yeah, if you're a sociopath and you are highly adept at taking advantage of people, you get really quick and you know you you can hone in on people that are very susceptible to that man yeah they don't need to put a little nameplate up you probably yeah that's what i was thinking is like you you don't it just makes it that much easier for them um i've never heard of that that's very strange how many corporations do you think are doing things like that nameplates with personality traits on the nameplate i don't know how many because if you know much about personality traits you might be able to look at it like loser Winner, loser. Like, why would you put that out there? 
<laughs> you know, I, I kind of have a sense of what your nameplate might say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'd be. Um, and which is earlier when you were kind of talking about. You just this. know it's the band is Dante and the Hawks. It's not the Hawks. <laughs> right. The band is Dante and the Bird Dogs. Yeah, it's not totally. the Bird Dogs. Well, and by the same token, like. I volunteer to be the bass player for a reason. <laughs> you don't, yeah, don't want to be I the front guy. Necessarily, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's funny. Well, uh, we we sidetracked from Chronovisor mm-hmm. quite a bit there. I think it was all good stuff. It uh, is. Well, if you would like to look it up, Wikipedia does not have much, but I did find a really fun uh, Art Bell episode on uh, Spotify. On the Chronovisor? Yes. Okay. And so they he gives you... He has an interview with a guy who wrote a book about it, and I'll put that in the show notes so that if you really do have some interest in looking into it, you well, can find it. And one of the things that is to note, I mean, obviously the Vatican saying, yeah, if you ever did use this, you'd be in big, big trouble. That's kind of a tell. But then Brune, the uh, friend, he to this day, actually, no, he died he died in 2019, but he always believed. He was a believer to mm-hmm. the end. He's like, now he was telling the truth. They had this. Um, but Ernetti passed away in the 90s, and his family said that on his deathbed, he confessed that he made oh. the whole thing up to, um, you know, I don't know, trick people into believing into Jesus. I don't know. But it's one of those like, well, I don't know. There's no, yeah. they might have just said that. Who knows? You know, on his deathbed. What does that really mean? What would you want to see? You haven't did anything come to Ooh, mind when you were listening shoot. to this? Uh, I could go anywhere in history and see something. God, yeah, I'd go see Jesus. I mean, I don't, you could not see that. Um, what else would I go see? If I could go anywhere, I from like I go anywhere and in, yeah, in any time, yeah. I would go verify that damn moon landing. Oh. You know That's what I mean? Good, I yeah, go yeah. sit on the moon in 1969 okay. and just yeah. wait for them to show up. And then when they did, and I'd record it and send it back to NASA and say, bullshit. Yeah. Or you could, <laughs> if you didn't want to make the trouble to go all the way to the moon, you could just go to uh, the studio that you believe they filmed. That's in. true. You could um, just, uh, you know, catch them in the act. I guess, there. yeah, I would use, I, this is what I would do. I would start to strategically go back to all of the good conspiracy points in history yeah, that's pretty good. and get yeah. to the bottom of things. Yeah. I'd go to Kennedy. I'd, yeah, I'd find yeah. out, I'd find watch, a good I'd place see, his, to watch from see Dallas, two yeah. bullets going both yeah. ways and go, all right, mm-hmm. I know what happened. Um, it seems, it seems strange. Like, I don't know how you would navigate that with a machine. Like, how are you navigating space and time? Right. That you know? was something that came up. Cause in it's, it's like convenient that, the image of Jesus was the same image like that we've seen in right. all of the films about yeah. Jesus, mm-hmm. but that's not what it would. What about the kid's perspective on the side of the road or the right. the uh, guy yeah. standing just behind Jesus? What that that would look like? How do you choose yeah. the perspective you're taking, and then how does that show up? Like, are they? Is that affecting time in any way? How do, they don't know that you're watching them? Yeah, my understanding from looking into this is that yeah. The nice thing about this invention is that you're not affecting the course of history. There's no butterfly oh, effect. Oh, well, that's you're, nice. Yeah. yeah, isn't that nice? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, if you want a good conspiracy, check out the Chronovisor, uh, YouTube that, Google that. There's lots on it out there. It's a fun one. When I first heard about it, I thought it was really fun and wanted to share that with you guys. Uh, personally, I think it's a crock of shit. <laughs> <laughs>
I don't know how you feel the test. <laughs> didn't pass the smell test at all. <laughs> um, but it's also a uh, a fun a- and I do think that there are definitely a lot of there's probably a lot of wild shit in the Vatican archives that I definitely would this love to see. This just doesn't happen to be one this of This is the just things, not yeah. one of them. I think this is a distraction from yeah. what's really down there, yeah. which we all know is way more interesting. So anyway, thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you guys next time.